This is Jeff Garcia of the Spurs Zone. And for everything you need to know about your silver and black, you want to go to the Spurs Zone at News4 San Antonio and Fox29SanAntonio.com. This is At The Line. I'm Ty Yeager. That's Matt Pena. How long has it been since we last recorded? I think we took like a whole hiatus, like the same thing as the NBA. I think it's been about that long. Well, I know we recorded some like in April, but that was yep. more of us bullshitting it. Yeah. Talking mar- talk- talking Marvel teams, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it was when we did that. Uh, Marvel record, um, The Marvel Draft. Yes. And... Uh, I think that was that was the last podcast we did, so it had no relevance like the NBA at all. Yeah, so we, we were on hiatus for... It's, a, it's almost, been a minute. We were on hiatus for a full two months, so if you're somehow listening and found this on your podcast feed, we thank you for listening, because you're now at the line. Ha <laughs> ha! Yes, you can hit me. I'm, I'm sorry, we lost viewers. Sorry, Mac. <laughs> we're, we're going down after that one. But no, it's uh, okay. We're going... This is going to be a different kind of show than we've been before. This is going to be very different... Um, uh, we're just we're trying to go do a whole new round of doing things, but today we're going to talk about lineups and rosters for the Spurs and as well as the opponents they'll be going up against in Orlando. If you've been hiding under a rock for however long this damn pandemic has been, one there's a pandemic going on. Congratulations, you woke up at the worst Welcome. time possible. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. We're glad to have you. Welcome. Did can you guys imagine <laughs> that we did Koala Mills in this year? Because I still can't. Just imagine, like, imagine waking up from a coma, and you you wake up in 2020, and all this shit has been going on. Like, I I legitimately think somebody might say, like, I'm uh, this is the apocalypse. Like, the apocalypse is happening. There's people that are conscious and that are thinking the apocalypse are happening. So I can only imagine someone that's just like enters the world right now after being away for you know X amount of years. Yeah. So, but we're not going to talk about that. We'll talk about that some other time in some other podcast, but. Today, we're going to talk Spurs basketball, because we can finally talk about that shit. And it's back, baby. It's fucking back. Hold on. <laughs> it's fucking back. <laughs> but um, It's so nice. But so, we're going to... So, the Spurs have had some lineup changes, some roster changes, and let's get with the big news first, that both teams... The Spurs did lose Lamarcus back in, I want to say June, due to, due to surgery that he had back in April on his, on his shoulder that he injured, I want to say, during the... During the Mavs game, or he re-injured, he re-injured it against the Jazz earlier in the season, and that's why he was out for a few games. And then he re-injured it against the Mavs, and so, but he had a rotator cup surgery, and he's out for the season. And then Trey Lyles had a what? What was it called? Oh, he had appendicitis. Appendicitis, and while he was in the Orlando bubble, so he and Pop said he's he's done, he's out. So he's no longer he's not going to be with the Spurs for the rest of the season. I think he will be he's going to stay with the Spurs, I believe in Orlando, but he's not going to be with the team, which leaves the team kind of in an interesting place. One, you're definitely da- thin at that yeah, for- front court side. Yeah, the Spurs are extremely thin at the forward position at this point now, leaving only six guys, I six guys, which would be Rudy Gay, 
Drew Eubanks, Chemezi Metsu, Luka Shamanich, Jakob Pertl, and then the newly signed Tyler Zeller. And thank God they had they got the Tyler Zeller signed because if imagine only having five guys at the forward position. Yeah, I mean at this point right now it's kind of you you get whoever you can. Uh, unfortunately, the Spurs picked up a nobody, so thanks Brian for that. Um, hopefully, it was, it was slim pickings on free agency. It was I saw because I wrote articles on who the guys Spurs could signed. There were some names that I liked, like uh, Luman Iwote. How do you say his damn name? I forgot how to say his name. I don't even But he's, even he know. signed with the Rockets, but I thought he would have been a better signing, at least for the forward position. But Tyler Zeller isn't a bad isn't a bad pickup. Experienced guy. Fills out that center position because you desperately need someone behind Jakob for that. So earlier I thought this was his insignificant pick, especially with Trey Lost on the mix, and you still had a lot of these young guys. But... Now having Tyler Zeller while losing LaMarcus and Trey Lyles, I think that's one better signing, at least at least when it comes to your bench unit. I mean, so so basically, <clears throat> the Spurs pretty much stayed whole, um, with the exception <clears throat> of losing LaMarcus and and um, and Lyles. So the, the the extremely bad side about that is those are your two, you know, your two starting front court. <laughs> so yes. you have to replace that with you know either Pirtle, um Metsu, Eubanks, or Zeller at the moment. Um, or Rudy. I apologize. I forgot Rudy. And so you have to find, because what, LaMarcus was averaging probably 25 points per game, I would say, um, you know, on the safe side. Oh, no, I apologize. It, he was he was averaging 18 points per game, so 19, 19 points per game. 19, but um, on, 19 points, but on 33 minutes per game. Right, it, which I think is pretty low for him, which is crazy. Um so so yeah, so you have to replace his point percentage as well as everything else that he brings to the table with somebody in the mix already, you know, because they they closed down that restriction where we, we, the Spurs could sign anybody that's currently in free agent or that previously had a contract. So hopefully Zeller can bring some of that veteran experience and um, and and provide some minutes. I I hope honestly he doesn't. I mean, because you still have Metsu, you still have Eubanks. You still have Samanich there. You still have Rudy Gay. You still have some people that can play that forward position. I really think the Spurs are going to do um, a lot of small ball now. Um, but we can talk about that a little bit further or uh, a little bit later uh, in the yeah. podcast. Right, and right now, we're specifically focusing on, on the roster setup. So fortunately, the Spurs have stayed pretty healthy. Um, they haven't you know suffered losses like, like we've seen, you know, Brooklyn or, you know, or some other teams. <laughs> Jesus, Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I know it's we'll crazy. Talk, we'll talk about we'll talk about the, some points after this. <laughs> but yeah, so so the, the Spurs have managed to stay pretty healthy um, in this bubble time, um, and yeah, it looks pretty good so far. Yeah. So, but besides that, I would say I would say healthy, but then you lose Trey Lyles to you lose Trey Lyles for the rest of the season for this at least at least this restart, which really hurts your team in terms of like I already said depth. Start hurts him at that four position no matter what because you're. Originally, you had seven guys. You had the seven guys, which is kind of a healthy depth, but then you lose that, and you, now you're down to six, and you really can't yeah. afford... You can't afford anyone else to go down, but luckily you have you have Jakob that's a starting center. It should be a starting center in this league. Absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, 100%. I think, you know, especially with some of the comments that we've seen Jakob make, I think now is the perfect time for him to showcase exactly what he's, what he's talking about. You know, a lot of people were saying that he's too inconsistent 
or there's been, you know, like there's a camp out there that says he's in, too inconsistent or he doesn't provide those 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 plentiful minutes and he doesn't get what he needs to do in those minutes that he's given. So this is the perfect time. You know, you have this perennial all-star in LaMarcus go down. Um, you know, most of your minutes were taken by him. And so now at this point, the team needs you to step up and be that defensive anchor. Um, and we've seen it. I think I think Jakob is, is ready for that starting position. I think he should have been starting throughout this entire year um and so hopefully he he really he really does take take this time into consideration and takes advantage of it because um you know he's going to be on a showcase right now yeah and kevin o'connor wrote an article that released the day that we're recording on july 16th saying that probably the one player that he's most excited about is Jakob. saying that Jakob is the spurs are really good with Jakob on the floor where they outscored teams by four and a half points per 100 possessions when Pirtle was on the floor without LaMarcus, and then they were outscored by th- nearly the same amount of points per 100 possessions when Aldridge was on the floor without Pirtle. So the Spurs, oh, Spurs statistically are better with Pirtle, and then you oh, also absolutely. and then you look at their uh, his offensive and defensive rating. He has one the be- he has the best net rating on the team. Yeah, I mean Jakob is incredible, I and mean, I think, and I mentioned this on the the Two Shots podcast um, with Joe. And some of the other guys, Rudy and them, um, I mentioned this that I think Jakob does a lot of the intangibles, a lot of the things that people don't realize. A lot of what Jakob does is not going to show up on the stat sheets, or at least not the ones that people normally gravitate towards. You know, like points or rebounds or you know stuff like that. The the basic stats. Um, a lot of his stats are going to show up in either they never show up it's just you know it's kind of one of those things where you, you view with your eye and how he changes that dynamic of, of of the game um or the advanced stats like you said like with his offensive rating his defensive rating he has one of the best if not the best different offensive rating um with the spurs so yeah he has the definitely... best offensive rating and best defensive rating on the team which is insane i mean for people to, to not realize that it's, it's crazy like i said he doesn't show he's not going to show that He's not going to be that center that's that's bombastic and boisterous and out there and, and in your face. He's just going to go out there, do what he needs to do, and just beat you down. Very, very similar to what Tim Duncan was like. I'm not saying the games are the same. I'm not saying his game is the same. But I'm just saying Tim Duncan went out there, and people have said he, he's the silent killer. He went out there, and he just killed you. And he just brutally just beat you submissively, slowly. Jakob kind of does the same thing. Like He definitely is that wrench in that system that you just can't get around him and i think you know it speaks it speaks on behalf of of the 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 training he's done with tim duncan and so hopefully he can continue that and the one i think everyone knows blocker pearl he's he's one of the probably one of the best blockers in this game and even on limited lobster even on limited minutes he was he's 15th best in the league for total blocks that 15th best while averaging having under a thousand minutes per game or which is uh, insane for the season that's insane. And he's not even a starter. He's not even a starter, and it's insane. Yeah, he he only had 965 minutes, yet he was 15th best in blocks. And per 100 possessions, his block number is insane. 4.2 blocks per 100 possessions. That's fucking insane. <laughs> That's how... And Jakob's defense, again, like we said, the defensive rating is the best on the team. He is the defensive anchor. I think in terms of... If you want to look at the type of player he is, I believe... It's Tim Duncan's defense. That's how I would like to describe it. Jakob Pertl is a, very true. is like Tim Duncan on defense. His offensive yes. game isn't isn't the same. We can all agree with that. But still, he's a still offensive anchor at least 
on like I said on the offense as well, where if you throw him in the pick and roll, he's one of the best pick and roll players in the league and on this team. Yeah. He actually knows how to pick and roll, unlike some other people. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Derek White was one of the most most efficient guys in the pick and roll, and you put him right next to Jakob, who he was been who's been running the pick and roll with him all season long. Derek White would not be the most efficient if it wasn't for Jakob Pertl. Because Jakob sets screens perfectly. He can rim run too. And Jakob, he's, he's a bit slower and his free throw percentage isn't there. But damn, he can, he can finish at the rim and he can block the rim. You, that's the rim runner that you want in this league. And he, again, he's not a guy that needs the ball either. As, we can, as we've clearly seen that he's only started 10, 10 games and has under 1,000 minutes. He still puts one of the most efficient out, outputs for a big man in the league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so my question to you is, since Jakob is going to be a <coughs> free agent this coming summer, or I guess this short off season, short off season, <laughs> where would what would you pay Jakob, and and what is your limit? Like, where where do you say, okay, I'm not going to pay you, or or like this is too much, this is so, too much for our blood. So say that he does just fucking ball out in Orlando, he balls out and he shows that he's worth the contract. Which uh, he's already worth the contract, as we as, as we know, as the fans that re- pay attention to all this, we already know he he deserves a contract. And I think the team des- knows that too. But if he really shows out and shows that he can still perform with full minutes, I'm thinking maybe t- so- a good number in my head would be between ten and fifteen million per year. I think that's a, I think that would be a, a reasonable number, and then. Maybe maybe he sign a short term extension and then if he continues to ball out for the next two or three years, give him a really big extension too with along with it. He's still young. He's only has yeah, four years he only has four years experience 25. in this league and so he has a he has the ability to show you that he's worth he has much more of a higher ceiling than you think. Yeah, I mean he's still and he's still on the better part of twenty, so He's. I would consider him a part of the young core, you know. With oh, uh, I do. I definitely with do. DJ, with DJ and Lonnie and them, because he's only twenty five. <clears throat> he hasn't put a lot of he hasn't put a lot of minutes on you know on his legs yet. So he's he's relatively young NBA terms. Um, so yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, I don't know if I would pay him. I think I think probably thirteen would probably be my limit to to say like okay, I can't. We can't pay you any more than than thirteen million per year. Like, if if we were to give him like a Patty Mills contract, I think that would be, you know, because what Patty's making fourteen, sixteen a year, I think, if I remember correctly. Solve for me, and I'll look it up. Um. So yeah, I think he, if he, I think my limit would be around the twelve, thirteen. I think a perfect contract would would for him would be a twelve, twelve million per year for like, uh, you know, either a two and one or a three and one, and then we can reevaluate at that point. Yeah, Patty's, Problem getting, is, Patty's getting twelve million this year and thirteen million next year. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, I would think a Patty Mills contract would be good, exactly for him. I think that's that's what he needs. Not the yeah, anything like over over fourteen. I would probably say, you know, we'll see you later. I mean, we've seen it with Boban. Like we've seen we've seen it with with other players like Boban and Jonathan Simmons, where where you know the Spurs organization was just like, you know, enjoy your money, go make your money somewhere else. We unfortunately that doesn't work in our plans, and so if Jakob decides that you know what, or if the Spurs, because really it comes down to the Spurs. Because if somebody offers Jakob twelve million per year, the Spurs should, no question, match that. Absolutely Definitely. no question. 
my my uh, number one goal for this offseason is keep Jakob Pertl, no matter what. You, think, I think that's number one goal in this because as much as people want to trade DeMar and LaMarcus, and we'll talk about that in some other podcast, Jakob Pertl is more important for your future. And if I'm, if I'm going to run the Spurs, if I'm Brian Wright, I'm going to be willing to kind of give Jakob that money because he's shown in the advanced stats that he's worth it. He shows that whenever he's on the floor that he, he is worth that money. And I'd say, again, I think 15 million, 15, 16 million is a good max number for that that I would pay. If it does go into 20 millions, which I doubt it, I doubt it with his small sample size, I don't think that would go to that amount. But 16, 15, 16 million per year, I'd still be comfortable of signing him for that. But again, it also I'm comfortable long, with any type is. of money that you sign Pertle to at this point. What about, isn't Derek White in the same situation where he's a restric- restricted free agent this uh, year? No, that'll be next. Now, he next season, he's on his last year, so you are looking gotcha. at extension for Derek come next season. Yeah, and then Lonnie's after that. Okay. So, luckily, with how the Spurs drafted, there's some good spacing there when it comes to money that they can deal with. Well, but, even in 2021, they're going to have a ton of money. Oh, they only have $26 million tied to the team in, 20, in 21. In yeah, 2021. There's only $26 million tied to that team, and that's, that's DeJounte and some team options for Lonnie, Luca, and Keldon. But that's that's where that's more for off season talk. But we'll talk more about money situations when whenever we get to there to that point in the future. But Jakob is a key part of this team. He needs he's, he's going to be starting. I don't don't think there's any doubt to that at this point. But you so need just, to give him you need to give him significant minutes, 25, 30 minutes at least in yeah. these eight games. Yeah. So just to clarify, here are. Um, here are the the players that are in Orlando right now and that are eligible to play. We have DeMar DeRozan, Bryn Forbes, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, Patty Mills, Rudy Gay, Jakob Pertl, Marco Bellinelli, Lonnie Walker, Drew Eubanks, Keldon Johnson, Chemezi Metu, Quindary Weatherspoon, and Luka Simonic. Yep, and Tyler it. Zeller. Did and I say Tyler Zeller, Zeller already? I'm not, I'm not sure he said Zeller or not, but okay. Well, Zeller. I think that's his first name, Tyler. Tyler. It's Zeller. Tyler Zeller. Cody Zeller is on on the it? Charlotte. Yeah, he's on. He's on the Hornets. He's on the Hornets. Yeah, he's with Charlotte. Yeah. So those are, those are the players we have um, going into the NBA bubble and fighting for the 23rd um, playoff run. Hopefully, they can make that happen. And the first issue I think everyone can see is there's a guard problem. It's it's been there's been an issue all season long. You're you have an abundance of the guards, and so you got you have guys you have Dejounte, Patty, Lonnie, Marco, Derek, Quindary, Bren. Those would all be the guards to consider, and they're all good guards, and depending on who you who you think is good in this case, but but we saw we saw some lineups in this practice foot practice footage so far, and there's some interesting lineups I've seen. As a disclaimer, Mac was telling me this earlier that. We don't know if these are going to be official lineups, but still, it's kind of something that you need to analyze when it comes to practice. Whenever you haven't seen, you haven't seen this type of personnel play together. Yeah, so so you want to keep in mind, just like like Ty said, you want to keep in mind that when they run these five on five practices, it's not always what is going to be on the court um, during game time. But what you can take away from it is they're they're starting to build this chemistry. And I think that's what the coaches are looking at. You know, what players have better chemistry together? And so kind of dissecting these these little clips from, you know, from Jeff, um, from Jeff from Spurs Zone um, or also from the Spurs Twitter handle itself, you know, I think we can get a better um, 
a better idea or at least uh, or an insight into what pop and company are working with in Orlando at the moment. So one of my one of the rosters one of the lamps I've seen them running lately that I really like has been DeJounte, Lonnie, Marco, Demar, and Jakob. And then there's also kind of been one for the black team because they've been wearing black and silver jerseys. The other one is DeJounte and I think Derek in place of Lonnie, Marco, Demar, and Jakob. That lineup I honestly like. Yes, it has Marco, and I know some people are not going to be pleased with that. But, <laughs> but overall, I still I like the I like the build up of that kind of lineup. It's, I don't think it's going to be starting. I don't see Marco as a starter. But have putting Dejounte and Derek or Dejounte and Lonnie next get, next to each other, I think that's perfect. That's okay, the so, so that's kind of starter that starters that you need. So repeat that line for me. Dejounte, Lonnie, and or Derek, Marco, Demar, and Jakob. Yeah, I think they would probably run Marco out there. I think it would probably be um, DeJounte, Marco, Lonnie, um, DeMar, and then Jakob. I mean, even though that's a super small lineup, like I don't think that's going to happen because it's a very small lineup. I mean, I think your biggest guy outside of um, Jakob is DeMar at 6'7". So that's not... I mean, him going against a, a power forward, then he's going to get... I would rather see Lonnie go up against a power forward than DeMar go up against a power forward. Um, that's a really hard lineup to to to, to field, I think, because, again, while you have, I mean, even two out of your your four, you know, or at least your backcourt is is good with Lonnie and um, <clears throat> with Lonnie and DeJounte, your your front court's going to, your forwards are going to be, are going to be the biggest issue because do you really want, Marco and, and Demar, you know, guarding your yeah. small forward and and your power forward, like that's that's gonna be tough, man. I think Rudy is honestly <laughs> going to start just because I think Rudy's honestly going to start too. He's, he's the veteran guy. Yeah, you're starting a veteran guy who's six eight, who's one of the taller ones within that at least <clears throat> veteran presence, taller taller build. Can he plays more like a power forward now? Right. I think he, I think he would be starting. Now these, I think these different lineups will be seen within the rotations. Which, if so, thank fucking god, different rotations. <laughs> I can't wait for different rotations. I've been saying this all fucking season. I can't. These are trash I rotations. To, I, I can't okay, wait for I new swear ones. to god, if we see like Bryn Forbes starting in a shooting guard position, I'm I'm just gonna put it on mute. Like I'm gonna mute the TV and and work on something else because I'm not gonna have it, dude. I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna have it. <laughs> Problem is, I can still see Brent starting. Unfortunately, I, yeah. I mean, damn it. Yeah. I mean, unless unless it does go, Dejounte, Lonnie, Demar, Rudy, and uh, and Pirtle. Like that would probably be the most ideal lineup starting wise. You have Dejounte and Lonnie in your in your backcourt. I mean, that's no guard is going to score on that. That's going to be impossible. And then you have you know Demar and you have Rudy in your forward positions, which it's still kind of. I mean that's kind of a little sus, um, you know, because Rudy Gay isn't the best defender, and Demar, you know, is still probably gonna have some trouble. But at least Demar isn't on. You don't have like Demar or Marco on a power forward. You have a bigger guy like in Rudy, so you still get some floor spacing because Lonnie can shoot the three, Rudy can shoot the three. Um, Dejounte has been known to shoot the three too, a little bit better. He's getting better. I'm sure he worked on it. And we're so, seeing we're seeing clips of Demar shooting the three too. We've seen Demar shooting the three two, so hopefully that but, works. But. but but Tom tweeted out Tom tweeted out some perfect where it was just a mantra of saying, "I will not give up my hopes on a Demar practice three. I will not give up my hopes on a Demar practice three. 
shout out to the to the infamous Tom Petrini. Yeah, for sure. And don't don't buy it. Don't buy it. Just because you saw one corner three doesn't mean that's gonna happen in in game. It's a completely different different situation. Um, but and then that leaves the the. That leaves the second guys, the second string dudes, you know, the B team with 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 Derek, um, you know, with Bryn or Marco, Patty. with Patty, with Keldon, um, with Luca, and then with either you know Metsu, Eubanks, or Zeller. So, which it, is, it, I think is a pretty damn good second, you know, second bench bench squad. Yeah, and I think one of the more promising things that I saw, at least Popsy say on Wednesday was that development is more important than anything while the team is in Orlando. And I think that's a really good indication that we'll be seeing some of these. I think we'll be seeing more young, more of the younger guys, especially with all the injuries there is that they're going to really take advantage of having the younger guys and try and run them. See, that's what I'm afraid of. Like I'm afraid of, and I, and I hope they treat it like a, an extended summer league G league type thing where, where they run more of the, the younger guys. It just, it's going to it's it's really going to suck if you know we take what pop said in regards to it's more development for the guys it's going to suck if we if we take that into consideration and then we don't see it actually um come into fruition you know come game time like i'm it's it's, it's going to be upsetting it's or not upsetting it's going to be disappointing because you know we understand that it's extremely difficult circumstances that you know you're going into this um, this bubble life with and things are completely different and people are making decisions based on personal health and um, you know or you know longevity wise as far as career goes and so it's just there's a lot of variables to it and and for you know if pop and company don't run the younger guys a little bit more give them a little bit more um, more of a leash then it's just it's, it's going to be disappointing and I think it's like I would have rather not seen the Spurs if it does happen. Like if if rotations don't change, I would rather have not seen the Spurs come back or at least fight to come back. Um, if that's the case, like if we're not even going to work on anything to to get ourselves better or at least like improve our our younger guys, this is the perfect time right now to improve our younger guys. Luckily, with all the injuries, you're already going to see these rotations are forced to change no matter what. Especially. I was already going to say that the rotations were going to be forced to change with Lamarcus out to where you're going to put Pirtle in the starting spot, which I really like. However, that without having Trey Lyles now, that makes the rotations change even further. Now, does yeah, it change absolutely. into the spot that we would like them to change? Not really, because we don't really have that. There's already not that much depth when it comes to the big man position. There really isn't too much depth that I would probably see, most likely you see Luca. We're going to see Drew Eubanks again because I think Eubanks has a lot of trust. The coaching staff has a lot of trust in Eubanks. You will see Chimezi Which Metsu I more often. I don't know why. But, but you're, <laughs> Sorry, but you're going to see, you're to going to see some guys that definitely need some run, definitely need some need some experience, but it's also not the guys that you – it's not the positions that you want to see because you really want to see these positions like like this, the shooting guard, the small four position, the two, three, where you would see more Lonnie. You'd see more – Derek, if Keldon. say that Bryn or Marco wasn't there, and Keldon, I think I think a big consensus right now is uh, <clears throat> is seeing Keldon get get a lot of run, and I think that's out of all the the younger guys, at least in this recent class or the, the most recent class that we've had. I mean, Keldon is the most NBA ready. He has his he needs to work on his shot, but at the same time, I think he is the most NBA ready. 
Now, I would not put him over, you know, DJ, Derek, or Lonnie, but I would definitely put him beneath that, like the, the next guy to get some run for sure. Yeah, definitely on a bench unit. And I think I think we'll see Keldon more because we saw Keldon really get some minutes whenever they played the Mavs, whenever they were kind of down in injuries on that part. So we saw Keldon get some minutes and actually use them really well. So I think I think Keldon's going to get some more run, especially with Pop saying that it's about development. So you're going to, you're going to see these rookies at the least. I'm not sure about Quindary. I think Quindary will get some late game minutes. If it is a blowout, blowout or anything like that, yeah, I think we're going to see some Quindary sightings, though. I'm just going to say he's a better guard than either Bryn or or, or Marco. I'm just saying it. I'm I just think Mar- putting that out there. As much as everyone shits on Marco, I at least have a, I have a little bit more confidence in Marco when it comes to shooting. Now, defense, I have no confidence. But I think Quindary is a better all-around guard, I would say, compared to Marco and Bryn. Because Marco and... Marco and Bryn, they can shoot. I think we all know that. But I mean, their defense I mean, is after very... they needed a whole season to to kind of get into into rhythm. Because well, Bryn, 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 season... lo- Bryn lost his rhythm going going into the season. In fact, right. That's what I'm saying. Like in beginning of the season, both you know both Bryn and Marco could not hit the broadside of a barn to save their life. But Bryn, still, Bryn was shooting 38, percent which is above league average. But well, like lost... I said, he. He needed the whole season to get there. Like it's it it. I mean, there was times where Bryn was shooting twenty three, twenty five percent from the three, and that was in the beginning of the season. But they worked on it and they got it going a little bit more and more, and so he developed that. And that's what I'm saying. But I'm just saying I think I would rather have Quindary, all around, you know, Definitely. an all around player get the, get more minutes. I mean, because I think he's going to be the future. I don't, you know, I don't see Bryn and and Marco being there. Bryn probably, Marco probably not. <laughs> Bryn's defense is. I was watching. I was watching some tape on. I was just kind of watching. I was watching some tapes. Tape on the guys on like some slow motion, especially in that Mavs games. Like, Bryn, what the fuck are you doing? It's suspect, man. I mean, <clears throat> it's suspect. That's that's you can't have that. Like, yeah, we have. That's a problem. You have at least two guards that that probably should not be getting minutes over. You know, over let's say Marco or or sorry Lonnie. over Lonnie, or even Derek because Bryn was getting more minutes than Derek. Which that makes no sense whatsoever. But so it's still I like I still like Marco. I still think his size does give him advantage, especially if he is going to be playing that three and that four. Even though he's a six five, he's still kind of a bigger dude, I would say. So I think he he benefits more of playing that that three position if you're running if you if you don't have Demar out there because Demar is most yeah. likely going to be playing a three or four. Yeah, but uh, I, I would probably say he's playing a two or three, but. I, I would hate to see him as a four. I, I cannot like, I cannot imagine the amount of like ass beating he's gonna take in the four spot. If he takes a, if he if he has to guard up a, a power forward, it's it's over. Like yeah, La- Demar is gonna get Marco, absolutely just destroyed. Marco plays plays seventy one percent of it at the small four position, and Demar played. Demar actually never played at the shooting guard position. He played at the small at the small forward and the power forward all season. Yeah. Interesting, and enough, but how did, how did that work out for us? It didn't work out very much for us. Eh. Yeah, <laughs> but you're this still, is why you know, we find our position. Like this is why we find the Spurs find themselves in the position that they're in because some of their lineup choices were, were definitely suspect. suspect, very suspect. But we we look at the lineup, we look at the roster, and we see that they have the 25th defensive rating in the league, which is fifth to last. But you're also 
putting in you're having players who weren't the best on defense. I see that Trey Lyles is maybe average on defense, but you're you're plugging in some really good defenders in here where you're plugging in Jakob, who's probably your best defender on the team when it comes to the forward position. You have De, you have DeJounte and Derek who started find, finding their strides, you know, the, and before the pause of the pause of the season where they were doing really well, especially DeJounte. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I'm really interested about was games that didn't have didn't have Lamarcus um DeJounte did really well. There were two games where in the game again there was a game against Utah that DeJounte did really fucking well in. In the Houston game in December, you didn't have Lamarcus and Lonnie went off. You without Lamarcus there hogging all those touches, you're allowed to get these younger guys some more touches and I think that's gonna really benefit this Spurs team. Yeah, and that's what people I think need to realize is um, you know, with the loss of, of Lamarcus and the loss of Trey, a lot of those minutes or ball or usage are gonna have to be spread out somewhere else. <clears throat> and this is I mean, the way I see it is it's a, it's a big win for our younger guys. You know, DeJounte is going to get more more uh, more time to prove himself, you know, scoring-wise and having the ball in his hands. And the same thing with Derek. Um, because you don't have that, uh, the albatross of LaMarcus Aldridge trying to take all that usage. Because every single time that, that we would, you know, LaMarcus would be in a play, we would see it would the game would slow down on offense. They would kick it down to Marcus, and then he figures out what he wants to do and then either kick it back with you know five seconds or whatever and then they can try to make something happen. So with this, I think there's going to be a lot more of that ball movement, which is kind of what we what would what Spurs fans are used to seeing. You know, we're used to seeing um, this ball, the beautiful game, the ball moving around around the court and everybody passing and getting a touch. Um, so hopefully, you know, with Lamarcus being out, the usage, those usage minutes are going to go directly to DeJounte, Derek, and Lonnie, um, <clears throat> and some of the other guys. Yeah, and and I'd say even some of the clips that we saw, we saw a lot more ball movement than usually I was used to seeing earlier in the season, which that's also a good sign that ball movement's probably going to play more of a factor when it comes to, when it already comes to these eight games, though. Right, I mean, that's that's what they're going to have to rely on. I mean, because once anybody shuts down DeMar DeRozan or you get a double team on DeMar, DeMar is going to have to do a really good job of trying to kick it out from that double team and and get everybody else involved. So I, I really hope the ball does not get stuck in one hand um, or <clears throat> in DeMar's hand because that's just it's it's not utilizing the players to their best of their abilities. Yeah, and I think we've seen DeMar do much better when it came to not having LaMarcus. Again, he did become the focal point of the offense, but he was also sharing it with other guys that I think did much better at moving the ball overall. Yeah, but absolutely. I think not having LaMarcus there is going to be really good in what Pop wants to do in developing these guys. Well, and and that, gonna, It's going to be important. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and, and that, that leads back to my point about, like, if, 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 if Pop and company do not do not do the justice of developing these guys or, or utilizing the younger guys. I think it's, it's a wasted time. Like we sh- the Spurs should have never been there if they're not going to try to develop some of these younger guys in an NBA setting, because a lot of, I mean, every team is going to have multiple, obviously multiple NBA players. And so these G league guys, your, your Lonnie Walker, your um, Keldon Johnson, your Lucas Simonic, Drew Eubanks, your Chemezi Metu, like these guys only have a taste of what, a small taste of what 
the NBA is. Obviously, Lonnie having the most of that. And so if you're not going to utilize this time to get that, to get that development for them to learn the pace, for them to learn how physical the game is at this level NBA, then it's just a waste of time. I think you're wa- you're not only wasting the players' time, you're wasting the fans' time, and you're wasting your own time being there. Yeah. So let's look at let's go ahead and go forward and look at the schedule and the other rosters that the Spurs will be going up against because still they still have a chance of making the playoffs with how the with how the According new rules 538, are. Five thirty eight, it's going to be a one percent chance. Well, fuck five thirty eight. <laughs> I agree. They, they they always undersell teams, but also some some with some updated news. I have a be- I have better feelings about the Spurs, even losing Trey Lyles. But there's a there's still a chance for them to make the playoffs. I think the goal at this moment though is to get to that ninth seed. That ninth seed is probably gonna be the easiest way to get get at least their big their biggest chance into playoffs. I still think they can make the eighth seed if they really make a run down this rock down this lineup of teams, but. The best chance is to get that ninth seed and play and win two games straight in that playing tournament. If you, if they lose one, they're out. If they win two, which I think they can, because I say that this, I feel much more confident about the Spurs is because there's no fans. These are teams that they're going up against had fans really backing them and giving them a lot of energy throughout the season. Spurs, if you want a team that could play basketball and beat teams just playing basketball. You why not go with one of the best coaches of all time in pop, who will play pure basketball and will beat your ass with it. I mean, yeah, obviously there's no there's no better tactician out there than than Coach Pop and, and Co. Like obviously, he's he's arguably the greatest coach in all of sports. Um, you know, he's arguably one of the greatest coach in all of sports, and it's it's not only due to because of of, of the culture that he's built along with other people have built here but it's also because of how cerebral he is i mean obviously we all know his basketball iq is off the charts so you're absolutely right i think if anything he's probably the ringer in this entire thing and having him in orlando is a blessing but it's also you know scary because of all the stuff that's going on um so let's let's take a look at. Or do you want to do you want to take a look at the preseason, or we're just going to skip that? And yeah, go fuck towards... the preseason. It, the preseason's not going to have a big factor. I think that okay. I I don't or think the they're quote unquote preseason. <laughs> the three game pre scrimmages, but yeah. I hope that Fox Sports Southwest is going to do do something at least with one of these games. I know that the Dallas affiliates got at least going to do like the third game that the, the Mavs are going to be doing. And I know all the Laker ones are going to be fucking televised because okay, so the, so, so okay, so we're not going to do preseason. Let's not waste time on it. But, it's fine. Yeah, so we're not going to do beginning... but preseason. We don't know if we're going to watch that yet or not. We'll find out. But That's looking at the looking at the eight games, the opponents are looking like this: we got against the Kings, the Grizzlies, Seventy Sixers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Pelicans, the Rockets, and then to wrap up the Jazz once more. And I have all the, I have all the record breakdowns for this. Let's start for the Kings though. Kings look fucked up. Not yeah, as bad they're... as the, not as bad as the Nets, but <laughs> they have they are really getting hit with players testing positive. De'Aaron Fox has got an ankle injury the other day that he's going to be reevaluated. I'm not sure if there's anything major there or not, but Spurs already were already one and one against this team earlier in the season, and they were pretty close games. And but you're going up against a team that's near bottom of the league on both offense and defense, both ranked 19th offensively and defensively in rating. And you, but the biggest issue they had against had against that team was outside shooting. Buddy Heel just went fucking off on this team, and it was not pretty. 
Yeah, thanks, Bryn. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, the guy so I, is drunk, but there he goes. <laughs> I guess that's. A, I I didn't mean to hit that one. I meant to hit this one. But <laughs> I think both of them work. I think they're both warranted because this, I would. I mean, I'm not drunk, but <laughs> that's probably something I would say when I when I was drunk. But, but with, um, with Bryn still, Bryn's yeah, defense. Bryn's yeah, defense is not the best. It's just you're right. So so like. While the Kings are still kind of trying to piecemeal their team together, it, they still pose a potential problem because of how fast their offense is. I mean, yes, De'Aaron Fox might have a bum ankle, but he's probably still going to outrun every single one of our, our players. Maybe not Lonnie or, or DeJounte, because I think they're both pretty fast. But, I mean, <clears throat> you you get him in transition. You know, if, if Fox has an open transition, I mean, he's going to take it all away. So it's just... it's It's really... Having DeJounte, Derek, and Lonnie, and any of, of our 6'5 guards or 6'4, 6'5 guards are, are, are a blessing because you can, you know, kind of stop stop that, that fast transition. So I can see that as a win. I mean, I, I think I lean more favorably towards a win on that one than, than a loss. Yeah, I do too. But just with the amount of players that they're not going to have, with it's already a suspect team as it is. And this is a team that the Spurs can beat. They they were able to beat them, and then they lost to them by a close margin this the second game around. And that's only against two Buddy Heald, who scored thirty one points off the bench and nine and ten shooting from deep. But we're not yeah, he was that. he was out, outside of his mind in that game. But I and I wrote article, I read an article breaking down this whole all this whole schedule. If you want to look at the Spurs, on it is a little back then because I believe they were on. I forgot back on in late June, but. You gotta hold. You gotta hold by heel at bay. You can't fucking do anything else. You gotta. Um, you can't allow that three point scoring threat. Yeah, he's pretty much their only offensive threat as far as like three pointers go. Exactly. All right, let's go into the Grizzlies, who they were one and two against. And I said this in the article. It was three different teams that we that we saw the Spurs play as, to where one game it was close, one game they blew them out, and then one game they got blown out. It was just all over the place. And it was a perfect sign of how this team was all season long as inconsistent. It was bad. Yeah, I, I mean, and the Grizzlies are one of those anomaly teams because they, it, first of all, a lot of their starting five are, are completely different than than what they were last year. Um, yeah. And secondly, we saw the team develop, and that's why I think we saw, you know, we saw that that swing in momentum going from one team to the next. So hopefully, you know, coming up, the, they can, you know, um, <clears throat> make it even, bring it to 500 with the Grizzlies for the season. Um, like you said, they're going to have to win the majority of these games in order to get that ninth and eighth seed. So, and it's this Grizzlies team. It, it on from a pure eye, from eyes view, you think, oh, this Grizzlies team is really good. They have a lot of energy, a lot of young guys. Their offense is bottom ten in the league, and I think the Spurs can easily take advantage of that, especially if you're running a more defensive lineup in Jakob and and DeJounte and Derek and Lonnie, if you're running more defensive lineups, you can easily take care of, take care of this team on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, my, my biggest issue is going to be be the front court because they have Brandon Clark, they have Jonas Valanciunas, and but then... You also, but you also have, you do have Yaka Pertle, who's most likely to go and go against Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And I missed Jaron ja- Jackson Jr. So it's like they have three amazing, you know, front court players that... I mean, Jaron Jackson's amazing. He's an anomaly. The dude is like seven foot. He's built like a tank, and he can shoot threes like pretty efficiently. And then Brandon Clark's the same thing. He's a little bit smaller, but 
he still has extended range. So I'm just I'm gonna be so sick <laughs> if Brandon Clark is the one to put us out of our misery because that's who I wanted the Spurs to originally draft and it didn't happen. You can't you can't fucking stop stop tell me about it. I know exactly, and that, that's why I'm uh, I'm hoping and praying Luca turns out to be Katie Light because if he doesn't, this draft was a bust minus Kelton. All right, but again, Spurs just need. Spurs just need to put up defensive lamps against this Grizzlies team, and I think they could do a good job at it. Yeah, I think they have, they they have the, the personnel for it. They have the personnel grind. for it. The grit and grind mentality. You know, adopt that mentality, and just it's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. But yes, I think running a defensive lineup against the Grizzlies is going to be the only way you can beat them. All right, let's go on to the next game, which is the back-to-back. It's going to be the second night of a back-to-back for them after the Grizzlies game. August 2nd is it Grizzlies game. August 3rd is going to be the 76ers, which they're 0-1 against... But it wasn't. I don't think it was that bad of a game. I remember. No, never mind. It was a bad game. It was one hundred. They was a loss. One hundred fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Eh, not bad. But yeah, they completely out rebounded the Spurs. Fifty one boards compared to San Antonio's thirty two in that game. I can't you remember if, ma- if Jakob played uh, very many minutes there because Embiid is just going to eat. I mean, either way, Embiid is. That's Embiid. a matchup I would like to see though. Jakob yeah. versus versus Pirtle? Embiid, especially yeah, especially <sighs> on the, at least on the, watching. Jakob go up against go up against Embiid on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that's what but, I want to see. But yeah, but Embiid is just a monster. He's a monster of a player. Like he, you can't like again. This guy, he's seven foot something, and he can you know he's pretty nimble, um, and he can still drain the threes. So, I mean, if I was the 76ers, I would just have, I would have Embiid sitting out in the three point line and draining threes on on Jakob or. Or get an assist on the inside because there's nobody else to to cover that. You know you're gonna have to pull Jakob out. You know, so that's what I would do. But, but honestly, if you though, if you look at the 76ers, they're only in the sixth seed in the East. They have the 17th ranked offense in the league, which does not make them that that good. And then, which is but surprising. their 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 defense is what's carrying them this season. They're sixth best in defense, and so it's the Spurs defense needs to, just needs to hold them that bay. And the offense needs to really cook. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point in the first three games, optimistically speaking, the Spurs will go to two and one. So you're saying, you're saying a win against the Grizzlies? Yeah. Optimistically speaking, right. Optimistically speaking, they beat the Kings, they beat the Grizz, and then they lose to the Sixers. Realistically I get, I, speaking, they could probably be one and two. <laughs> All right, next game would be against the Nuggets, who they're 0-1 against this season as well. That was a close game. That was a close game. I remember that game. Yeah, yeah. But you're going up against... It's to put up a close game against one of the better teams in the West, currently ranked third in third in the standings. That's... I feel better about that matchup, I would say, just because it was a closer game. I kind of do, do also. I think the Spurs match up pretty well with... Well, if Lyles was here, um, I think the Spurs match up pretty well with, with the Nuggets. Yeah, and it's, and this was a game I forgot. This was a game that they led by twenty three at one point, but yep. in Spurs fashion, in twenty nineteen twenty twenty Spurs fashion, they blew a lead into the fourth quarter. <laughs> but yeah. they, they I think Jamal, Jamal Murray had fourteen points in the fourth alone against them in that game, and they really they did a good job of li- limiting Jokic that game. Who they right. really need to limit is Jamal Murray. So put I mean, Murray against Murray. I think you got your I think you got your solution. I mean, even even if you even if like um, Dejounte goes out and sits out, you, you you substitute Derek or you substitute Lonnie just to stick specifically on um, on Jamal, and you have that going the entire time. 
you eliminate him and you know and and take away that option and Jakob just matches up with Jokic and I, I mean Jakob is actually surprisingly good when it comes to some of these bigger these bigger centers so um you know we'll, we're going to see Jokic 2.0 you know now that he's slimmed down and he's looking like a whole nother person you know we'll see how how that affects his game but i think uh i think Pertle can can do a good job of sticking with him again he's another one of these stretch fives so uh it's the game plan needs to be smart when it comes to these these guys and we also don't know we don't know the full roster yet for denver because they right. still have some people they still have about five to seven guys not in orlando yet yep. from either having covid having personal things going on you don't have their full team yet and so their depth, I wouldn't think their depth was going, to, was going to be the same way that it's been all season. And this has been a team that's been really good at using their depth. But you don't know. I think Nikola Jokic is a is a mystery with him being slimmed down and everything. I think Jamal Murray is the one factor that you you know fully about still. And you just need you need to make sure that Derek and Dejounte are on on him at all times in this game. Right. Because this is a ninth ranked offense in the league. You still got to worry about them. If they can come back 20, 23 points down in one quarter alone, they can get back in any game they want. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but I do think that the Spurs, I think this is probably outside of the Kings, um, outside of the Kings matchup, I think this is probably the Spurs' best matchup. You know, with the Grizzly, I don't know. Like, this Grizz has have, have a lot of speed and a lot of height and, and length that the Spurs don't have. Um, <clears throat> and the Sixers, well, I mean, you got Ben Simmons and you got Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid that are just two physical freaks of nature. So it's going to be tough, I think. But they, I think they match up with the Nuggets and and the Kings pretty well. Yes. All right, on to the next one, Jazz, which they'll play twice. But they've also had Jazz a number all season long so far, two and zero against them. Even though the Jazz are the eighth best offense and eleventh best defense in the league, Spurs just know how to fucking work against the Jazz. It's and also it's, the Jazz. And the Jazz are not going to be without Bojan Bonvanovic, who had a wrist injury, who had a wrist surgery during the during the break, and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. And that's a really big blow to the to the Jazz team at the least when it comes to both sides of the ball. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's one of their he's he's one of their better three point shooters, if not their best three point shooter and their go to guy. So having that specifically out for them is going to change the, the way that they operate, and I think it's going to allow the Spurs to to play a little bit more defensive on him and it's it's you know a little bit tighter on him and that's going to be great um and yeah you're right I mean this is this is one of the teams that the Spurs have been able to beat twice in the season they, they've gone perfect against him so hopefully they can keep it up um <clears throat> I think this is another good matchup for the Spurs as well as long as you keep somebody on Donovan you know you can kind of eliminate the other guys um if you have Murray Lonnie or or Derek on him at all times which with the rotations, that's how it should be. You know, a, a Patty or a Bryn or a Marco should never be guarding Donovan Mitchell at all. Like no, that should no, not unless unless you you know try to work over those screens, try to fight through them. But it should never happen. I mean, it, you should definitely have one of your your main defenders on a middle time. And front, looking at those previous two games, the Spurs defense was actually really good against these teams. They won. They got they drew fouls. They got they got both. They got Rudy Gobert into foul trouble really easily into these games, and he only scored 17, 18 points. Yeah, he, that's kind of around his average, but Gobert, Gobert usually becomes a primary scorer sometimes. But getting him in foul trouble and forcing turnovers, that's what they did really good against the Jazz, and they really just need to 
do the, do what they've been doing against the Jazz to really win, and that's giving giving Murray unleashing Dejounte Murray. Dejounte's last game, he scored twenty three points against against someone sixty two percent shooting. Yeah. Also, he got four steals and only limited Donovan Mitchell to twelve points. That's what you, that's what the Spurs need to do against this Jazz team. They just need to do what, what's worked for them before, and that's unleash Dejounte Murray. Yeah, absolutely. All right, going to the next game, Pelicans. This one is. This one is probably the biggest unknown to me, just really? in terms of, just because it's, one you have Zion, who has, transformed himself. It seems this season he looks much leaner than before, and he already he looks dangerous. I think we all know that Zion is a da- is dangerous no matter what. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. And then we I've heard some other things where. All these other Pelican players have done stuff to improve their bodies, improve their games, and all that over this break. And so you're seeing a team that you probably haven't seen all season long. One, you're one you have a very small sample size of Zion, and that's a Zion before this break that until he improved himself. And then you also only have one game against him, which was Zion's Zion's debut. So you really don't have a good sample size of how to go up against them. Well, I know what you don't do is don't let him score 17 points out of nowhere in the <laughs> second, fourth quarter alone. Jakob, I'm looking at you on that one. The one time I'm mad at Jakob. Right. But I think they're going to have a better... I think what, they will have a better game plan against Zion, but still, this is a Zion that you don't really know. It's just, it's just going to be a different Zion, but luckily this is in the last half of, the, of this schedule. So you, you're going to see... You're going to see... I think you're going to have a good sample size of seeing what they've done so far before this. So they might have a good plan, but it's also still a big unknown. They're a middle of the pack team when it comes to offense and defense. It's just, I don't, I honestly just don't know how this game would turn out until I see both the Spurs and the Pelicans play, at least get the sample size of them playing in this bubble. Well, it also comes down to like, uh, you know, it has been reported that Zion is not in the bubble anymore. He did, he's taking care of some, um, some family issues so who knows how long he's going to be out and who knows what the protocols for him to come back are going to be i mean at this point um august 9th is still almost a month away so there's still quite a bit of time for it to happen uh, you know for him to come back and and quarantine and and be fine and be cleared but you know um who knows how long his family issues and whatever's going on that's his business and you know we hope we hope the best for him and hopefully everything's okay um but who knows how long he's going to be gone. So who knows if he even comes back in time to, to be out of quarantine. I'm honestly, I don't think I'm not factoring that in. It's late into, it's late into that schedule. That's the sixth game. Right. I, yeah. Like I said, it's August ninth, So it's almost, it's, it's almost a month away. It's almost a month. So right. he has time to come back no matter what. Say he has gone for a week or so out on the, what I want to say it was a four day quarantine or at least, at least a week of quarantine. He's going to be back in time. I would say for that. But you might saw the factor in, but in my opinion, I don't. I mean, once we get more information, obviously you factor that in. You know, if if, ne- if tomorrow he decides to come back, then it's like, oh shit, okay, well, you know that that's probably going to be a really hard-fought battle. If you know, if he doesn't come back until um, the beginning of August, then at that point you're like, okay, well, you know, then things are changing. But it will. I think it's going to be fun to see Jakob go up against him with having primary minutes, knowing having better tape on Zion. Seeing Dejounte and Derek go up against Lonzo, Lonzo and um, hell, I would see. I'd love to see Kelly go up against Ingram, too, just because I think that's a good matchup. They're both big, yeah, yeah. I mean, hell, I'll give I'll give Kelvin the advantage on 
against Ingram just based on body mass. Body mass alone, yeah. I mean, Kelvin can probably push him around easily, um, or at least more easily because he's he's a lot thicker and bigger. Um, but Brandon does have that outside game that he can he can implement and utilize. That's the only thing. I, I think I, I think that'd be a good game to see how Keldon does though against some top some top young talent at least in the league because I still consider Ingram one of the better one of the better small forward young talents in the league. Oh, for sure, easily. All right, let's go into the one that we're probably going to spend the most time on because I'm just going to fucking rant about this team because <laughs> fuck the Houston Rockets. Just not even as a, not even as a Spurs fan, I fucking hate the Rockets as a NBA fan. Just on how the. Fuck, they are built. They are built so fucking terribly. <laughs> God, such a horribly built team. I hate it. Even though they are second in offense and 15 in defense, they are going to be missing. They are going to be missing Tabo Cephalosha. They don't have a fucking big man. They Their best big man, they trade off at the trade deadline. Yeah, they went. They had a good run, but you're not going to do fucking. You're not going to do shit against some of the top teams, at least in the West. Without well, having yeah, a big man. Exactly. I was going to say, I mean, the West does have some of the elite big guys um, in the game. So, yeah, they're going to have some trouble with what the bigger guys, Embiid, Jokic. Um, I can't even remember who else is in there. I mean, even Giannis. Cause, Anthony know, Davis. Anthony Davis. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's I fucking hate this roster. Just as an NBA fan, as someone that likes building rosters, just fuck this roster. This is, the, this is the epitome of small ball. This is exactly like when, when you want to run the... epitome of small ball? This is the definition of small ball. <laughs> exactly. When you want to run the D'Antoni system, this is the perfect definition of... Or the, the pinnacle of the D'Antoni system in, in small ball. So one, first off, you trade Clint Capella. Clint Capella is probably one of my favorite parts of this team. I thought this was a really good team when you had Clint Capella on this. Because you had, you had some really good guard scores. You have excellent guard scores in James Harden and Russell Westbrook. But you also have Russell Westbrook, who's only scored 25% from three this season. But you have Clint Capella, who is averaging nearly 14 fucking rebounds a game. 14! Leading The next guy up on rebounds, I want to say, is Robert Covington before that. And B, Russell Westbrook has, is leading the team in rebounds. I was say, what about P.J. Tucker? I would think P.J. Tucker is there. P.J. Tucker has rebounds seven per game. I mean, I think that's, that's like their go-to center at this point because you don't have you don't have Tabo Cephalosha anymore. It's fucking dumb. It's fucking dumb. And, that's and PJ Tucker is like I think at least maybe six five. Dra- yeah, six five. Maybe Draymond's he's high, six or a five, bit but labeled as a power forward on basketball reference. How? Which fucking is crazy. Hell. And you would think that oh they have they have they must have some other guys behind them. Yeah, you mean a six? You mean a thirty-seven-year-old Tyson Chandler? Fuck no. Just. Uh, it's such a fucking dumb lineup. Yeah, it's a, it's a really frustrating lineup, but that yields very good for us, especially. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, the Spurs went one 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 against this Rockets team. Both were really good close games, and I still and I think I said this on the articles. Whenever it comes to a rival, previous records, previous anything is out the window. This is yep. going to be something completely different. Every you game is team, different. You see, you see, I think. Dejounte has some beef with James Harden. I think that's going to be something that you're that always plays a factor in. This just it's just a different type of game. No matter what the fucking record is, no matter what they've done before, it's always going to be a different type of game going up against the rivals. And we all know the December game where Lonnie went off, and then we had a close game in I want to say January or later in the month, where they did lose to the Rockets only by two points. So. 
I still I think that you give the Spurs a win in this case. You have a Jakob who's going to be defending. They don't have Clint Capella, first off. This is a different team than we saw in December. You don't have Clint Capella, and you have Jakob Pertl, who's going to defend the rim any fucking day. You have better younger guards that are going to be really good at defending James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, Harden went off for like 50 in, in December, but still, that's not a winning formula. You still need to have good defense, and this is the mi- middle. This is the definition of a middle-of-the-pack defense. I mean, if you can even if you can even say that that is, I, I mean, I think this is the perfect game for a guy like Metu or Jakob to like just completely own. If they can, if they can somehow find a way. Well, first of all, what you need to do is you need to be absolutely physical with like with this team because it's smaller. Definitely. Like you just need to just out kick the shit out of them because they are smaller. So if you can, if Jakob can have like a crazy day where he just goes off and he's just dominating or even Metsu or Eubanks because both putting Keldon too even Keldon yeah I mean well without I was gonna say Metsu Eubanks Zeller and Pirtle no guy is as big as them on the Rockets (laughs) no no not at all Metsu the closest guy guy to their height is Bruno Cablo Cablo I don't know them, them, and I think Jeff Green. But I don't even think Jeff Green is going to be playing. I mean, minus Ty- minus Tyson Chandler, but other Chandler's than that, not like, playing. Ch- Chandler's on the bench. He's not doing shit. Right. So it's like you're going to have to have one of those guys just completely go off. Even Rudy Gay. Even Rudy Gay needs to have one of his like vintage Rudy Gay games where he just drops like 30 points on him because no one can guard him. But the thing is, it's about physicality. I think that's what you have to do with the Rockets, is you have to be physical with them. Because if you're not going to be physical with this team, then, you know, the P.J. Tucker is going to get in your head and mess with you. The Robert Covington is getting in your head with and, and, and messing with you. You know, when you can outclass them as far as in weight um, and, and mass and just bully them down low, I mean, you can you can win. It's It should be a winning formula. But... If you know if our guys are gonna play like jelly and just allow you know PJ Tucker to to brutalize them, then it's just it's not gonna it's not gonna go well. Yeah. And this you know you know how this team works. I think any I think anyone knows how this rocket team is gonna work. They're gonna either shoot from the outside or shoot from the inside. No right. fucking in between. Right. And so, no having knowledge of D'Antoni's system because D'Antoni's been in the league for how fucking long now? How, knowing D'Antoni, Pop has always had D'Antoni's number first off. And then just, we all know D'Antoni's system doesn't fucking work. It's never fucking worked. Seven-second offensive, Houston Rockets small ball, it's never fucking worked in the long term. I think if anything, I think if anything, it could work now. And I say that because they've gotten a ton of rest. Yeah. So it could work now. It could work now, which which is something to definitely, like, be a little apprehensive with. I think, uh, you know, when, when you're looking at that Houston Rockets team, it's like, okay... Yeah, they don't have a lot of people, and you know, some they have big glaring holes in their in their game. But the one thing is, they've gotten a lot of rest. You know, James Harden and Russell Westbrook have never gotten this much rest in a season, and so they're coming back completely fresh. But well, still, it's minus they are, minus they are Russell the, having COVID, but and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But yeah. Still, this Get is a team Russell, that. By the way, <clears throat> this is a team that runs a nine-man rotation. Both Westbrook and Harden have the are in top ten of usage and usage in players, which is the only top t- team duo to have that happen. 
even like Anthony Davis and LeBron, they're in like the top fifteen, and they they're like right next to each other at like twelve and thirteen. But how the usage percent between those two is way too much. You don't really have anyone else. Your depth is really shit because you're you spent all their your fucking money on James Harden, Eric Gordon, and Russell Westbrook. I can't even say his fucking name. <laughs> and then, so yeah, they are gonna have some rest, but they're still gonna be running how fucking much? And now you add on that Russell Westbrook has has COVID or test positive. I think he's asymptomatic. But I don't. We were seeing we're seeing stuff where even asymptomatic people are not recovering perfectly well. That COVID is still having a really major impact on people's bodies, even if it, it they are asymptomatic. Right. We're exactly. Seeing, we're seeing stuff like Von Miller, where Von Miller says, "Yeah, I'm having struggle breathing still," but that he's also had he also has didn't he has didn't he have asthma before this too? I want to say with Von Miller. I don't know. I don't know, but still, you're seeing you're still seeing lung damage even with asymptomatic people, and you know you don't fucking know if that's gonna if that's gonna have an impact on Russell Westbrook or not, especially with the way that he plays. If there if he does have some minor lung damage that he's just not aware of, he's gonna be gas easily. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I mean, but, they're probably gonna have the most minutes played in this like short little little playoff series than anybody else. It's probably easily. You can you can probably bet money on that. They both average thirty six and thirty five respectively minutes per game. That's insane. And they're your only two scores out. The next t- they average thirty four per game and twenty seven per game respectively. Your next one up was Clint Capella at thirteen. No, I correct that. Fourteen. Eric Gordon at fourteen and a half, and then Clint Capella, and then you have Daniel House at ten. So. I hate this Rockets team. I think everyone knows that at this point. I fucking hate this Rockets team. This is a horrible. I fucking hate this roster. So, I'm playing a Spurs win. I'm playing a Spurs win. Adding in that Spurs got a Spurs got a major win against them in December, and then they had a close game that was only decided by two points. The next game, yep. it was a loss, but still, it was only a two point decider. Yeah, I think the Spurs can definitely win this game too. So, but it's all time. to to me. Then you go against the Jazz against the 13th. We already t- talked about them. And I say the outcome of that game is dependent on how they do against the Jazz the first time. So that one's always a, that one's a pure toss-up because I just don't know how that would go. And you don't know how this team's going to look by the end, by the, by the eighth game of this, of this series. Or any of these teams are going to look, look like by the end of this eighth-game series. Right, yeah. And I think, so at that point, like, overall, I think, realistically, I think the Spurs could go 500 and 4-4. Four optimistically i think they they pull one more out and they they go um you know five and three but i could definitely see them going uh going three and five like easily my optimistic side is six and two and then i say my my normal side because i think this team's going i think overall this team is going to be much better when it comes to how the new rotation is going to look you're gonna have younger guys who are really fucking amped up for this they are these young guys still have energy and they are good still i don't There's no doubt that DeJounte, Derek, and Lonnie are, and Jakob are really good players. And if you're giving them main minutes, I feel more confident in this team than giving main minutes to LaMarcus, I have first to say. I agree. I absolutely agree with that. So I say five and three is five and three is my realistic my realistic one. But I don't but as always hell I don't know. Hell I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because I'm a Spurs fan, I think I'm always gonna go the over so you know, I I'm gonna pull for the five and three, and if they end up going lower, I'll just say, well, 
shit toss up <laughs> you know whatever yeah. and they have they are they have one looking at the schedule breakdowns when it comes to these teams that they're going up against and the Blazers the Pelicans the Kings the Grizzlies and the Suns for that for the 8 seed they have the best record against these teams they've gone up against they are one of the better teams against f- above 500 teams yeah absolutely the, I mean the, it's absolutely the favorable ne- the only next team against behind them is the Pelicans at 5 and 6 against their upcoming schedule so Blazers Blazers honestly got screwed this they're 3 and 12 against their their upcoming schedule but, yeah, I think the the way the the ball dropped for for the Spurs and against other teams, I think it's extremely favorable for them to to advance. I think I don't think five thirty thirty eight is doing them a um a, a, I don't justice. think it's doing them justice by by saying it's a one percent. I think that there's a little bit better, but at the same time, I can definitely understand why it's uh, it's so low. And the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies have a tough schedule too. They they go up against the Blazers. That's easy. Spurs, Pelicans, Jazz. But then they have to wrap up their they have to wrap up their their ske- their schedule with the Thunder, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Bucks. I mean, I'm so happy that the Spurs never pulled like the Lakers, or the Bucks, or you know, or even shit, even the Thunder. <laughs> like in in yeah, this in this this pool, like I'm so glad they didn't have to, especially without having Lamarcus either. Yeah, exactly. It's I'm honestly confident. Especially knowing that the younger guys are going to get more run, according to Pop. Hell, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just I have some confidence. I have confidence going into this as a Spurs fan, as an NBA, as an NBA fan looking at the this roster. I've always liked this fucking roster, but if the rotations was, were better, the, the yes, roster, yeah, the roster. Would be I had so much more faith in this team because I was thinking the rotations were going to be so much different than they actually were. So, right, I have confidence in this team. I know no one else does, <laughs> but I think I honestly think it's a good sign because in the ringer and Kevin O'Connor's uh, power rankings, he puts the San Antonio Spurs as the West best eight seed contender. So I have faith in that one. I if Kevin O'Connor can have faith in the Spurs, I'm going to have some faith in the Spurs. Which is crazy that Kevin O'Connor does have some faith in the Spurs. <laughs> but it was really more that. Pirtle is going to get more of a run, even though he misspelled Pirtle's name, as I just noted. <laughs> noticed he missed one of the L's. But, like, he, he said that Pirtle is going to be a key factor to this Spurs team, and he de- that's definitely going to be the case. Yep, I agree. I mean, I think I think the transition from, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, from going, like, having to slow down the offense to being a high-tempo, more pass-oriented offense is, is going to make the Spurs a lot more effective and deadly. Yeah. So. Alright, but that's that's been this podcast. I'm long-winded. I'm probably going to go record another Lockdown Spurs with Jeff Garcia. Probably, because he wants me to record one. But, you can check out you can check out my stuff for, at the Spurs Zone, as I am a contributor over there, at, Spur, at Jeff G Spurs Zone for anything on Twitter, for all the latest clips and all that. You can also find me on Twitter at Ty Yeager Radio for, cli- for clips and anything that's Anything but the Spurs, Mac, number one fan over there. How can they find you? Uh, yeah, uh, you guys can find me at Mac Pen Media. Um, I'm a former contributor to Lockdown Spurs, or I, I guess I still kind of contribute there, but I'm a former contributor to uh, to the Spurs Zone. You're not um, full time like me. No, I'm not full time like you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm a diehard Spurs fan again, and I enjoy you know discussing everything in regards to sports with everybody you know on the line. So. Um, 
Definitely. On the line. <laughs> on the line. What the fuck's that? It's it's just a funny way of saying online. Um, so yeah, definitely chime in. You know, if you guys have any questions or comments or you know just want to shit on us for our takes, by all means, um, you know, we got time with this uh, with this quarantine. Don't worry, Mac already has it covered on shitting on, shitting on my takes. <laughs> yes, I do. But you can follow you can follow us you can follow at the line. Hopefully, I'll actually give some more attention to it at the line pod on Twitter, and then make sure to check out our website at thelinepodcast.com for any other links that you possibly need. Mac, what do you want to say? All I want to say is I'm so glad basketball's back, and um, thank fucking god. Stay safe, wear a mask, um, social distance when you can, and um, we'll see some Spurs basketball soon. Definitely. And make sure to check out our next podcast because we are most likely going to be talking with Carl Schoing, who's commentator for the Austin Spurs. And we're going to talk We're going to talk a lot about the younger guys that we really haven't seen with San Antonio but have been playing in Austin all season. So keep an eye out for that podcast. I think that's going to be a really good indicator of finding out who these young guys are and why should we really be really excited about them. But for Tony Yeager and Mac Pena, this has been At The Line. We'll see you guys next time. Hey guys, have you ever listened to At The Line and then suddenly think, huh, I kind of want to make my own podcast? Well, guess what? I have something that's going to be the best tool for you in starting off your podcast. It's called Anchor, and this is what we use here at At The Line. One, it's absolutely free to use, and guess what? I know some of our hosting websites, they cost money to have you start your podcast, host it, and all that. Anchor doesn't do that. It's absolutely free. And there's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you don't have all the equipment that you want. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so you don't have to go to all these other websites and figure out, how do what what do I put? How do I get this? It's so confusing. Anchor, although, makes it easy for you. And they will put your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcasting websites. And guess what? The best part of it? You can make money from your podcast, but no minimum listenership. That means you can do your podcast for free while making money. Who doesn't love that? And it's everything that you need to make your podcast in one place. So make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your free podcast. This is Jeff Garcia of the Spurs Zone. And for everything you need to know about your silver and black, you want to go to the Spurs Zone at News4 San Antonio and Fox29SanAntonio.com.